There's a cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, I am Alan Wharton. This is Cutting Through the Matrix on March the 25th, 2010. For the newcomers out there, you should look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website. I always advise you to bookmark all the other sites you see up there. These are the official sites, because once in a while, the column goes down. So there's CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com, .org, .net, .us, .ca, Alan Watt, CuttingThroughTheMatrix.ca. There's CuttingThroughJankness.com. And finally, there's Alan Watt, Sentient, Sentinel.eu. The Sentinel site, European site, is the has all the same audios for download as the rest of them. They're all free. But you can also go into the transcript sections of different languages and download a lot of the talks I've given and pick the languages that you want. Print them up and pass them around to your friends. And I always remember to say that so this is the tin can moment. It's very brief. I don't pester you. Uh, I depend upon you, the audience, to finance me and keep me going because I don't accept cash from organizations or companies that sell products. The ads on this show that you hear are paid directly by advertisers, straight to RBN for the airtime and for their staff, for the equipment, their bills, and for uh, the broadcast of the show. So you have to help me out by donating to me or purchasing the books I have for sale at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. There's, there's DVDs as well, uh, CDs with lots of talks I've given in the past, sometimes 50 shows a, a disc, that kind of stuff at very good prices. That keeps me going, and you can donate as well. From the U.S. to Canada, don't forget that personal checks are good. You can also use an international postal money order from your post office, and I stress international. Make sure you don't come out with a green one. That's internal only. And you can use MoneyGram, Western Union, or cash. And some people just find it easier just to send cash, and it does get through. You can use PayPal for donating and for ordering any of the items on the website. You just send a separate email along with the PayPal donation, and I'll get the order out to you. Same across the rest of the world, cash, MoneyGram, Western Union, or PayPal for ordering or donation. It's up to yourself how you want to do it. For those who get the disc burned and pass to them at the shows and don't like using computers, uh, guys with computers obviously burn them for them, and they hand them out at meetings. Uh, they play them on the CD players. You can get in touch with me at Alan Watt, Site 41, Box 4, Estaire, which is E-S-T-A-I-R-E, Ontario, Canada. The postal code is P for Peter, the number 3, E for Elizabeth, the number 4, N for Nora, and the number 1, P3E4N1. And over the years, I've tried to give you, the audience, uh, not just some ancient history and, and to show you how the techniques of managing whole nations and even empires of people was a well-known science back then, with the use of religion uh, to give you a, a form of reality, to give you the rules and laws to make you obey uh, the ruling elite, 
and also to give us social order because we have social orders within these uh, totalitarian societies that we live under. And the sham of democracy has been nothing more or less than a sham, to be honest with you. Uh, the, the elite who ran the British system, for instance, in the British Empire, and created a, they owned three quarters of the globe at one point. The ordinary folk got nothing out of it. They just supplied the troops and the tax money to build the, the railways to take all the loot and raw materials out of the country so that the big boys and corporations could own it. Nothing's changed, by the way. The U.S. is doing the same thing. Uh, then um, you find that these are structures that are well understood, very old techniques. And I'll be back with more on this topic after this break. Hi, folks. This is Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix. Just mentioning how uh, reality is always very different from uh, the way that the, those at the bottom, mainly the, the, the majority, what they call the masses, uh, is how they see it. Reality is always very different. And a long, long time ago, in fact, back as back as the 1800s, you had cartels of like-minded uh, business owners who got together in clubs, and they called them clubs at the time too. And they'd meet there so often, and all their fortunes, they decided, uh, were dependent upon each other and the policy of the government. So therefore, they ruled the government by different means. They put their own politicians in. It's been this way for an awful, awful long time. And uh, that way, they could make sure that their business enterprises would be backed up by tax money and British troops, etc., if, if it was the British Empire, when required. Uh, when they went into their foreign escapades to loot other countries. And nothing really has changed. It's always under the guise to help those savages, as how it used to be at one time, or bring civilization to them. And now it's, it's called peacekeeping. We're going to, to make peace, you see, bring peace with guns and bombs and stuff like that. So nothing really changes as they loot the country on behalf of a global elite. And this elite have no problem accepting that they are the natural elites. They talk about it amongst themselves. They discuss, they ask their obvious questions, even when they're young. Why, Daddy, are we so stinking rich? And Daddy will say, well, son, you see, it's because we marry the right type, the right stock of breeding. Your mother came from a long and successful, wealthy family, and so do we. And... Uh, and we take opportunities where we see them, meaning they plunder. And, um, and, and that's why we are the elite, you see. And that's why the masses down there are really the workers that work for us. Uh, that's how it's explained to them. So it's nothing, uh, there's nothing really uh, strange about that. But, of course, they put it through a public media spin, a PR relationship uh, organization comprising of general media, which the, the elite also own, and television and government stations like the BBC, that again the government runs, to make sure they reinforce the fake reality for those at the bottom. And the U.S. is a bit different there because they made that they really did a great job on making them think they were free for a long time. And uh, because the U.S. had so many more radio stations in the whole world combined, 
and television stations, it kind of gave them more of the feeling that they must be free because these were all independent to thousands of stations. They didn't realize that these thousands of stations, again, had cartels that got together at annual meetings and discussed their formulas and agendas for the next year. Uh, They didn't realize uh, that uh, the big moguls that own these chains of radio stations and television stations uh, go over and get knighted by the Queen for some strange reason um, for doing a good job. And again, we have to go back into the Royal Institute for International Affairs, dash CFR, Council on Foreign Relations, to see why this is so important. Well, you see, the royalty a long time ago had no intention of giving democracy to the general public. And at the same time, they thought it was also a good idea to give the appearance of democracy because it would stop the public from having revolutions every few years. They would just vote someone else in when they got sick of the last bunch. Because people live in hope, you see. You have this strange thing called hope. And uh, even though you get the same spiels from the same politicians, that we're going to give this to you and give that to you and give you more back for your tax dollar and all that stuff, nothing really changes except you keep getting screwed further and further into the ground. But we never learn. And um, we are now in an age where we're post-democratic. That's taught now in universities that democracy was a phase we went through And and some of them in the higher Ivy League universities will admit to their classes that there never really was a democracy anyway. Uh, The the brick building ones, red bricks as you call them, uh, for for the general classes going into university, they're not taught that bit. They're just taught that, yeah, there was democracy, but some of them actually still think we have it, even though the higher ones are are teaching already that we're post-democratic. Democracy doesn't work as too... It's too much of a time-consuming thing, very expensive, and those with plans to, to rule the world and, and push it off into their formats cannot get it done with conflicting parties. That's basically what the Club of Rome said in their own book, The First Global Revolution, and they advised the United Nations. But the Royal Institute for International Affairs got a royal charter to exist, you see, uh, as a, a form of parallel government that puts its own people in government, in fact, every Prime Minister, as well as belonging to the Fabian Society, belongs to the Royal Institute for International Affairs. Every President of the United States, since the late 1800s, when they first called it the, 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 the Cecil Rhodes-Lord Milner Group, and then they called it the Council on Foreign Relations later on, uh, every President of the, uh, has been a, a member of the Council on Foreign Relations, and the opposition members too, at the top. You don't need the ones at the bottom. They get their chances later if they're any good, but they can, uh, the ones at the top are always picked and screened. To make sure this global agenda that runs via this other organization set up by the Royal Institute of International Affairs and the Milner Group, all bankers by the way, the Milner Group, they set up the United Nations to be uh, the body that would bring this all into being. Uh, they, they would They would be the coordinators for all the thousands of NGO groups, all the thousands of departments that now now work public-privately with governments to guide it all together down this path we're on today. And we've seen, for instance, that the flagship is Britain for for all the uh, techno-surveillance. For instance, China is the flagship for the world. It's a model society where... 
they don't have a democracy. They don't pretend they have one. They, have, they still have communism, and everyone must belong to the party in business. If you're in your business, you must be a party member. And you must go by the party in this tiered structure up the pyramid to the top. And you don't buck the system. They're very, very rigid there. So they're the model for the way it should be, one child per family policy, which is to be promoted across the rest of the world with an obedient population. Uh, Britain is the flagship for total surveillance, um, big brother, uh, very harsh when they come down on you with it, like a ton of bricks. And to make sure that every citizen, it's a big experiment too, by the way, to see how the citizens accept every stage of surveillance. There's ongoing studies going on all the time with money from the Defense Department going through universities to study all of this. And they came out last week with the proposal uh, that the government's launching a personal web page. Each citizen will get their personalized governmental web page under the guise it's going to make it so much easier for you. We'll fall for anything if they say it's going to be so much easier, don't we? we will, most folk will. They'll rush right into it. And you'll deal directly with the government for everything, including doctor's appointments via the Internet. But the, the real the purpose is so that Big Brother, like George Orwell's, Orwell's, George Orwell's 1984, Big Brother can talk directly to you. And when you're surfing away and playing yourself there, Big Brother's face is going to come up on that screen there. And Big Brother's going to say that you've been using too much kilowatt hours per the, this week. And you're going to get cut back because you've been a bad boy or girl. And Big Brother's going to demand that you do things. And scare the bejesus out of you because, you see, in old days, they had to come to your door. At least neighbors would get around you or relatives or something. This way, this is what totalitarian government always wanted to get to. And this is what George Orwell said himself and H.G. Wells long before that. Government will not be in charge until they can talk to you directly with no relatives, no wife, no husband around to stand up for you. You're on your own. It increases the fear and compliance. All written about a long time ago. But they say it's for your convenience. Oh yeah, you'll see. Same thing with the airports. Now, the security is at the airport and all the rest of it. And the century of change, the 21st century, was kicked off really by the Twin Towers coming down. Uh, they could never have done it without it. So, and everyone knows it, it definitely wasn't what they told us about. We darn well know this. This was intentional to kick off this whole totalitarian war of terror across the public on the general public. Well, all our rights are stripped away from us. And it's, they've already been stripped away. But they're not stopping with ID cards and all the rest of it and, and airport scanners. They're going beyond that. Because, you see, in the new Sovietized world, and they're using the Soviet system, remember, that's what the Club of Rome said. They preferred the collectivist system for managing the general public. There's no back-talking, you see, in this system. There's compliance or you're cut off from something. Cut off from your bank account. Cut off from what you need. Just simply cut off. And not content with seeing through you and dehumanizing you. And that's what you always do with prisoners. You'll dehumanize them, strip them naked, laugh away. Uh, this do it at an airport scanner, you see. And it's true enough that six point something billion people across the planet are supposed to have their whole lives turned upside down because one guy had a firework, supposedly. I did it, that strapped to his thigh. 
That's the excuse we are given for this. Can you believe it? Could you believe it? People used to really fight back, you know, for, for much, much uh, uh, worse than this. They'd fight back. Now, now we get nonsense answers and excuses to strip of us all rights and get us all naked and get x-rayed to boot. Which, is, which does go along with the, the whole theme because x-rays are accumulative and uh, they'll sterilize you even more than you already are sterilized. So that does go along with the agenda of depopulation. Never mind the cancers that break out too. That, because it's a death. You see, they also wanted not just birth control, but death control. Stepping up the amount of diseases and illnesses folk can die off before they get to a pensionable age. That was also part discussed at the Department of Population at the United Nations. A long time ago. This is reality I'm giving you here, folks. Beyond the suits and ties and the PR shows. Back with more after this break. This is Alan Watt, and we're cutting through the matrix, talking about the the encroachment of government right into your home, in many different ways, physical and through the Internet, and that's what's to be worldwide uh, fairly shortly for everybody on planet Earth. And we've got to remember, too, that the GATT Treaty and all this free trade negotiation stuff is about the free flow of goods, but only for authorized international corporations, you see. It's really to keep everyone else out. And the free flow of labor. And once again, it sounds wonderful. People think, well, we can take off to this country if there's work. And no, folks, it's to restrict the flow of labor. They want the labor that corporations have asked to have brought in only. That's what it's about. So the new world order is to have you all uh, basically uh, roped in to your own authorized area of uh, your home. Your home could be a few miles wide or even less, in fact, because this is a Sovietized idea. As you ever saw the, the talks by Bezmanov on YouTube, uh, he was an ex-KGB defector. He talked that he, and he showed you his card. He had a card uh, to travel uh, all citizens had a car to travel just within their own little local area. If you were found outside that area, they'd, they could arrest you and, and ask you why you were outside of it without permission. You had to get permission to go outside of it for travel, even to visit relatives and so on. That's the kind of totalitarian world structure we're coming into because, see, the United Nations wants a nice, tidy planet as we are sterilized and we quietly die off over 50 years and during that, we're already doing it, we're dying off now. You see, they've been at this for an awful long time with um, uh, the death control, as they say. But they want uh, the world to be nice and tidy, less problems for them, where mass fluxes of people will be trying to get out of one country and go to another, uh, where they're setting up uh, employment and factories or work of some kind or another. That's what it's all about. And so that's what your ID card is all about as well. The ID card ties in with uh, what I'm going to read here because here's the next step with it. So they get the pilots to come forward now, the Air Force pilots to come forward with their uh, suggestion, which, of course, they, they told them to say. Yeah, this is how they do it. <laughs> we, 
Joe, you're in charge of the palace. So, yeah, I am. Yeah. We want you to do this favor. Come out and, and tell, make this statement to the press on our behalf. Okay, boss. What's in it for me? And I guess if you, you know, you know, you know what's like. This is from, it's an article from the Independent. It says, pilots criticize security as Britain makes body scanners mandatory. So that sounds like they're maybe on the side of the public, but no. A leading association of airline pilots has called for a rethink of passenger screening, claiming that passenger trustworthiness, passenger trustworthiness should be prioritized ahead of intensive physical screening measures. The call came on January the 28th, three days ahead of new restrictions in Britain that forced passengers to submit to the controversial body scanner screening in order to fly. From February the 1st, any passenger flying from London Heathrow, the world's busiest airport who declines scanning, will not be permitted to board an aircraft. Similar restrictions are soon to be implemented at Amsterdam's Schiphol Airport and are currently under review in the U.S. Actually, they're going in in the U.S. and they have been there for quite some time in some airports and Canada as well. Despite the new rules, U.S. and Canadian Pilots Association, ALPA, has branded charges to the security system an inadequate response. So here's where it goes next, you see. The group believes that today's screening systems have been reactively modified since the 1970s to respond to a changing threat, leaving the current system effectively a patchwork of band-aids. Our layered aviation security system is in dire need of major reforms, said Captain Rob Powers, ALPA's National Security Committee chairman. Our proposal focuses on identifying people who pose no threat to aviation and quickly moving them through a screening process that is commensurate with the level of trust they've earned. So you've got to earn trust now, you see, by being a, a goody two-shoes. Remember, this is combined with your interactive government uh, Big Brother webpage, who's going to tell you if you've been a good boy or not and get little black points that eventually will bar you from leaving the country. This is what it's all is about, you see. This approach to aviation security is more sophisticated, more efficient, and significantly more effective than the current methodology. In other words, political reasons will censor you from getting a good screening, your plus, 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 so you can go out of the country. This is what it's all really, really about behind the pablum here. ALPA believes that a new data-rich screening system, that's all your information again, akin to the modern credit check used by banks, should be introduced. They've actually been using a type of it for quite some time, but this is to be, go the whole way now. Each passenger's identity would be verified and then scored, get a score point, you see, allowing them to be marked as no or negligible threat, uh, unknown threat or known threat. Security officers would then adapt their actions according to each passenger's threat level from a quick X-ray metal detector scan to an in-person threat assessment or flight ban. Much of the work would be done before the passenger even arrives at the airport because it will all be done behind your back, you see. According to ALPA, the new screening methods would allay privacy concerns surrounding the introduction of body scanners, speed up the boarding process, and increase public confidence in aviation. I love how they always bring it. Well, but we'll be happy with that, won't we? However, the proposals may meet with opposition from civil rights groups such as the ACLU, which has already voiced concerns over the privacy implications of techniques such as terrorist watch lists and the use of racial profiling. Well, it isn't going to be just racial, folks. It's to do with every thing that you believe in and what every word that comes out of your mouth that's been on record is going to go into it 
Are you good or are you not good? Are you on your knees or are you standing? Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. This is Alan Watt, and we're cutting through the matrix. An article here from EE Times uh, ties in with the talk I gave the other night about the the total integration of the electronic systems within your home via your smart meter back to government agencies and so on, and how they can cut you off and regulate you. And that's what it's really all about. And this is, is, a, is about... Uh, a similar, something that ties right into it. It's from the 24th of March. It says, uh, micro, microcontroller company Microchip Technology Inc., which is from Chandler, Arizona, has announced the result of a partnership with software giant Google Inc. to produce a reference implementation of the Google Power Meter application programming interface. Parameter is free software that displays details of home energy consumption received from either a smart meter or another electricity monitoring device. That's what the Greenies are using. It's interesting, the Greenies boast about it in their Facebook and MySpace. They're so green, and here's what I use this month. Aren't I good? It's like the Soviet system where the newspapers used to have the, the worker of the month. The guy who broke his back getting so much coal out, you know, to be goody two-shoes. It didn't tell you what happened to his back afterwards, mind you. But anyway, it's the same technique has been used here. Who's, who's goody two-shoes? Who could outdo the next goody two-shoes as they compete, actually, to be goody two-shoes? It's, it's an amazing thing with public. It's just astonishing, but it's, it's worked down through the, the many centuries and other ways, too. So power meter is going to go a, a step further. Microchip has produced the first reference implementation of the Google Parameter API, which is key to producing compatible electricity monitor circuits for inclusion in energy-consuming devices. See, everything you buy has got this stuff in it. Google Parameter allows consumers to view their energy consumption from their iGoogle personalized homepage. Oh, I can't believe who would want that. Really, I know you. Well, they're out there. They're out. There. Yeah, shake your heads, folks. But they're out there. They're gone, totally indoctrinated. However, to be effective, it needs to be fed with data collected from energy-consuming devices. The more fine-grained the data that is collected, the more detailed the picture that power meter provides. And it provides it for government, too, you see. The open-source standards-based Google Power Meter API allows device manufacturers to build energy monitoring products that work with Google Power Meter. By developing the reference implementation of the API, Microchip now supports designers trying to create Google-compatible products for the measurements and monitoring of energy usage with 16- or 32-bit PIC microcontrollers, energy management management ICs, integrated circuits, Ethernet controller ICs, and radios for Zigbee and embedded Wi-Fi wireless networking. Well, remember, your smart meter also uses Wi-Fi as well to to monitor you. It can transmit signals back to the, the company and also uses the broadband too through the electrical line supply. Microchip's reference implementation of the API demonstrates an energy monitoring device's activation, wired or wireless data transmission and status messages, providing a template for developers' own designs. 
They also offer one-stop shopping for all the semiconductors and development tools needed to build a Google Power Meter device. So they're also working with uh, the big corporations to foster an ecosystem of devices. There you go, ecosystem of devices and utilities that will provide consumers with access to their energy information, but obviously they're working with the companies too that provide you with the power so that they'll all know when they cut you off and give you little minus credits. Minus credits, when they issue you with credits instead of money, minus credits for using too much of this or too much of that. That's what it's all about, folks. But you'll all jump for, oh, it's free, it's free, oh, wow, got to get it. It's like flu shot, God, it's free, it's free, I'll get five. (laughs) That's how stupid people are. Who really believe they're in a free society? And they really do believe they've got rights and everything. And democracy is there. No kidding. You know, I mentioned uh, not so long ago about uh, an article again where Britain tests out all these psychological experiments on the children in school. One was where they came in uh, one day, the young children, and saw their teacher lying on the floor with the fake blood around her, and they told her, I think, that she'd been raped or something and mugged and left. And it was all an act to, to observe them and to put the fear of death into them uh, to show them that the really nasty things are there, uh, really happen. But to the children, it would obviously mean that the teacher was acting, so all that kind of stuff must be acting. So when they see the real thing, they won't know if it's acting or not, right? <laughs> but governments are taking studies on all of this stuff. Here's the latest con I've done here. It's just incredible. From Mail Online, children left traumatized after their teacher is gunned down in the playground in a, a, hoax, a hoax lesson. It's a hoax lesson they're calling them now. Very Pavlovian, 25th of March, 2010. School children were left in tears after their teacher was gunned down by a crazed hoodie in the playground in a sick role-playing stunt. Terrified children, aged from 10 to 13 years old, watched as a supposed gunman strolled into the playground, took aim and shot the teacher before running into the school's science lab. Other staff on the stunt uh, rushed to the popular teacher's aid and appeared to give CPR in an attempt to save his life. It was 10 minutes before the shot pupils of Blackminster Middle School in Evesham, Worcestershire, were rounded up and taken into the school hall, where teachers explained that the scenario had been mocked up as part of a forthcoming science lesson. This is how they teach science lessons now. They're quite a con, eh? You traumatize the children. These are all Pavlovian techniques they're using now, you see, in psychology. This is about pupils were left traumatized with one having a panic attack and others being sick. The shooting happened on Tuesday after pupils were originally told there was a gun somewhere in the school. So first they let it out there to get them all hyper, you see. And and children believe everything they're told, you know, by these characters, these creeps. The same type that 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 other article read that gave them lap dancing lessons, you know, by two teachers in Canada. (laughs) Five minutes later, the alarm bell went and over 300 pupils were sent to the playground where three teachers could be seen running across the field before a loud sound like gunfire was heard and science and RE teacher Mr. Kent fell to the ground and played dead. Parents said their children were there and sent back to their form rooms and called to the assembly hall ten minutes later where the truth and a fit and healthy teacher was revealed. Never the damage had already been done to a selection of the pupils and apparently included one girl whose father had been shot dead a few years ago. Parents with children at the school reacted angrily to the stunt and branded it inappropriate and beyond belief. 
Some said their children were still traumatized hours later. Mother Vicky Woosley, whose son is, is in year six at the school, said, when I heard about it, I just thought, oh my God, that, that is so inappropriate. I, I think they should be getting a bit more upset than that and finding new uh, um, uses for the trees around there. You know, They were standing in the playground and then a man appeared in the distance holding a gun. Then the teacher dropped to the ground and the teacher assistants ran over. They started doing CPR, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another angry parent added to his 11-year-old daughter at the school added uh, they were children in tears. They thought the teacher had been shot. Well, of course, that was the whole point of it. Eh? That was the whole point of it. And what did they say about it at the school? Well, head teacher Terry Holland said the role play was part of a science lesson where a selection of students and teachers acted out the scenario science lesson. The problem with the small minority of pupils was that there was a slight delay in getting them back into the hall to explain what. So, so it was the delay that was wrong, not the incident that was wrong. Yeah. Hmm. So there you go. This is the kind of nonsense they do to your children now under the socialist system. Pavlov, you know, created the whole system for schooling over in the Soviet system. And... Uh, it was Eleanor Roosevelt who went over to see them. She wanted to see her first uh, favorite person first, just like H.G. Wells did, uh, Dr. Pavlov, the guy that loved to shock animals into hysteria and, and breakdowns, and that's how he made his living. This just a uh, pure sadist, of course. But he also used techniques in schools to make the children conform through fear, punishment, and reward, and all that kind of stuff. And Eleanor Roosevelt said, comparing the Soviet children on the way to school, she said she was so impressed with the Soviet children because they were so uniform, walking quietly and orderly towards the school, completely unlike American school children who laugh and play and jump up and down and that kind of stuff. She says the Soviet children were so orderly. That's what that's really impressed her, the order of it all. Yep, that's your control freaks, all right. H.G. Wells was so impressed by Pavlov uh, that he left his son there to be taught uh, under him directly. Yeah. Here they go, eh? School, where you go to learn how to deal with the world. Eh? Ha, what nonsense, what nonsense. And it's also from Philadelphia News, a new video. Uh, it's a new battle against Philadelphian flash mobs. They call them flash mobs. That all came out with the... The government saying there'd be flash mobs during the Department of Defense's briefings uh, that I read on the air a long time ago, uh, where folk get in touch with each other through their their phones and just turn up there and do whatever they're told to do. So there's a video on the site as well where they show you a flash mob in action, uh, March 25th, 2010. And it says, uh, South Street flash mob caught in tape. Police Commissioner Charles Ramsey says flash mob suspects leaving court. Uh, Philadelphia Mayor Michael Nutter, oh, strange name, and Police Commissioner Charles Ramsey are revealing new all-out efforts to prevent more flash mob uh, malaise. At a Wednesday news conference, they said the incidents have to stop and any future flash mobs will be met with organized and relentless crackdowns by police. It's an issue of citywide significance and importance. It affects all the Philadelphians, regardless of their neighborhood, blah, 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 Mr. Nutter said. So they've come up with ways to fight back against the flash mobs. Tougher curfews. They're going to bring curfews in. There you go, because they've given them iPhones and that. The 
turn up at so-and-so, and it flashes around all their, 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 their text messaging uh, and, and so on. They turn up there, and they're told to bring this, their, their little MP3 players, and they dance in silence, and then they'll chase off, whatever they else to do. So now they're going to have curfews for them. There's more hardline prosecution by the district attorney and more uniformed and undercover police during high-risk hours in known hotspots. There will be non-stop monitoring of social networks. So again, nothing go even further into and more cash and more people to, to lead on to monitor their social networks, which is the real aim of it all. <laughs> That's the real aim of it all. Yeah. That's what the real point of it is. More monitoring of the public, you see, and the children. Yeah. Uh, it's quite something. What a world we live in, eh? What a world. What a world. And the folks still think they're free. This article is from CNN.com. Now, I've talked before about vaccines were mentioned by Lord Bertrand Russell to bring down the populations, sterilize them, and make them dumber, by the way. He said that we should use, use the needle to make them more compliant. I've read the article from his own book many times on the air. And others mentioned it too. Uh, Julian Huxley, the first CEO of UNESCO, who was the brother of uh, Aldo Huxley, also talked about using uh, different means of dumbing down the public, sterilizing them, and, uh, and increasing the death rate of public, giving, introducing cancers and stuff like that. And this is Rotorix rotavirus vaccine contaminated, the officials say, by Tom Watkins, CNN. About 1 million children in the U.S. and about 30 million worldwide have gotten Rotorix vaccine, the FDA says. And it says, doctors have been advised to suspend the use of Rotorix rotavirus vaccine because of what they found in it. Federal health authorities recommend Monday that doctors suspend using Rotorix one of the two vaccines licensed in the U.S. against rotavirus, saying the vaccine is contaminated with material from a pig virus. Now, this is a fairly recent thing. They've been using these, these anti-diarrhea inoculations against one of the many things that can cause diarrhea, rotavirus. And to me, it's a personal call on that in itself, that all babies must get this injection to start with. Uh, we survive fine without it, absolutely fine without it. And if a baby is about to diarrhea, it gets over it. That's generally what happens, you see. There's no evidence at this time that the material poses a safety risk. Food and Drug Administration Commissioner Dr. Margaret Hamburg told reporters at a conference call. Rotorix is made by GlaxoSmithKline, oh, the big boys again, was approved by their boys in the FDA. I added that last bit because that's what the FDA is comprised of, is their boys and all the other big boys, Merck and all the rest of it, in 2008. The contaminated material is DNA from porcine circovirus, a virus from pigs, that it's not known to cause disease in humans or animals, it says, which is nonsense, actually, because it's good cancer. And so 1 million children in the U.S. and 30 million have gotten this vaccine so far. The rotavirus disease kills more. And this is their excuse. It's like the flu. We always give the same statistics of flu every year, even though when you go into the real ones, uh, there are thousands over what the score is. It says rotavirus disease kills more than 500,000 infants around the world each day, each year, primarily in low- and middle-income countries. She said, before rotavirus vaccine became available, the disease was blamed for more than 50,000 hospitalizations and several dozen deaths per year in the U.S., she says. And, of course, if you go into the, the studies and look at yourself, you won't find anything near that. 
The FDA learned about the contamination after an academic research team using a novel technique to look for viruses in a range of vaccines found the material in Glasso, SmithKline's product, and told the company, Hamburg said. The drug maker confirmed its presence, so they knew about it already, and both the cell blank and the seed from which the vaccine is derived, suggesting its presence from the early stages of vaccine development, she said. The FDA then confirmed the drug maker's findings. GlaxoSmithKline emphasized Monday that the pig virus is not known to cause illnesses in humans, saying it's found on everyday meat products and is frequently eaten with no resulting disease or illness, while the difference being, of course, is you cook the meat and it kills off the viruses. Uh, You don't just stick the raw stuff live straight into your veins, folks. So that's uh, another way to get it into you, just like the polio vaccine with, with about 100 monkey viruses contained in it with the simian 40 virus being one of them that had only one function, and they admit that it causes cancers in humans. But they're there to help you. They're there to help you, folks. That's what they're there for. Uh, hey, it's free. <laughs> Run and get it. Run and get yours now, plus stocks last. Now, here's the other big con of the day by the World Wildlife Fund, and this is from the Telegraph by Christopher Booker, 20th of March. It says here, uh, Tomacamuk, as it's called, in northern Brazil, has been designated a carbon sink. This is the greatest beauty that uh, United, uh, the UN scandal nonsense to do with carbon sinks. So certain areas where trees are carbon sinks. Canada was told that we'd have great carbon sinks with all these trees everywhere. You can't move for trees but then the UN turned around and says, yeah, but you've got bad trees, the wrong kind of trees. So you've got to pay carbon taxes. <laughs> and what did our government say? Okay then, okay. Mr. Pachuri, okay. <laughs> anyway, it says here, if the world's largest, richest environmental, uh, environmental campaigning group, the World Wildlife Fund, that's the one that Prince Philip heads. The guy that said if he came back as a, in another life, he could come back as a virus and kill off all the public. In his own book. They're going to make billions off this, these, this WWF. That's why they're all for it. Back with more after this break. Alan Watt, we're cutting through the matrix, just finishing off this article, and I'll try and take a phone call, but this article here shows the WW uh, Wildlife Fund, uh, WWF, they bought this chunk of uh, the Amazon jungle for peanuts, of course, and they're going to be able to get sell-off carbon credits worth $60 billion to firms that are polluting and so they can get that cash from the polluters. It's not what a great deal. They're all in the know, these guys, eh? $60 billion they'll get back every, every year to, to companies for carbon credits. We own the land. You just pay us the money. Our trees will sink the carbon. That's the con about it. But uh, fantastic, eh? The rich get richer and the rich get richer through these scams. And the public just go along and... Go moo and bah. Well, that's the world we live in. Now, there's Grace from Oklahoma in the phone. Are you there, Grace? I'll see if we can try and get you in there. Hear me? Yes, I can. Hey, it's nice to 
call in. I've been listening to your show for quite a while, so I just got to mm-hmm. say that every day it's like I'm living your show in my life. <laughs> You're seeing it, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like I'm a student at a university here, and it's just insane what we're learning in these classes. Like, I just wanted to bring up this example. Recently in my human physiology class, we were learning mm-hmm. about the endocrine system, and yep. uh my professor was giving this example of how dangerous exogenous hormones are. And her uh-huh. example was like androgenic steroids that men take. Mm-hmm. And she was saying how that will destroy your, your you know, testicles forever. And so I asked like, well, what about the exogenous, you know, steroidal hormones that girls are supposed to take from adolescence on? You mm-hmm. know, if it destroys men, wouldn't it also have the same effect on women? Because, mm-hmm. I mean, we're, we're talking about, exogenous hormones in both cases and yeah. she was like no so <laughs> you know and we're all and the whole class is just like okay well let's move on to the next thing and i'm just like it's constant with that sort of um you know double yes. thing. it's a double speak a double think and no logic to it especially in the explanations that you're given and but, but you know there's an awful lot of political agendas going through all this stuff because they are um, really tampering with the hormonal structures of men and women. And, and I, I've read all the articles about uh, the biosphenol A's and the various other contaminants that go into women's bodies uh, through makeups and soaps and various other things, even shampoos, and how literally it will affect uh, especially a male fetus between 8 and 12 weeks, and he's liable to grow up sterile and be very narrow-shouldered and so on and he might want to take up knitting later on. But literally, that's literally what's happening. They know it, they've known it since the late 1800s that this could do this to the male. And, uh, and of course, the, the female's been attacked tremendously as well uh, through all the plastics. And, and in fact, many of them now um, have taken on male characteristics because too much estrogen, uh, especially the, the, the synthetic types, can actually bring on a form of male characteristics in them. They lose their femininity. And uh, that's been noticed and well-documented, too, in the higher universities. But, of course, we don't learn about that in our human physiology class because we're supposed to go off, you know, to become... Everything uh, you're getting through your courses at university, as you well know, I'm sure, is politically correct for the agenda, including the greening and environments all tied in together with every lecture on every topic. There's a new... Um, whole uh, departments popping up about it like recently there's the new interdisciplinary perspectives on the environment and one of the classes I saw for that is environmental psychology and it's all just this fluffy like it's propaganda. But, but thanks for calling because that's the end of the show they're coming in Grace call again though from Hamish myself from Ontario Canada it's good night to me your God or your God's go with you